Hey, it's Paul. And Shamina. And welcome to Head Boss in Charge. Hi, Boston. Um, I am good. I have had a pretty good couple of weeks. Um, I've been paying a lot of attention um, to, this is going to sound super random, but I've been paying a lot of attention to things that bring me joy. Part of this is like from a few episodes episodes ago, we talked about like the minimalist thing. Not that I'm doing that, but well. <laughs> um, but being more mindful of like the energy and the things that are coming to me that I'm allowing to enter my space and like literally think looking at things like purchasing wise and have I been like, does this bring me joy? Mm. Um, is this like the perfect outfit? Because if it's not, then I don't want it or need it. Because it's not the perfect thing. Um, I mean, perfect, it's, you know, somewhat subjective, but that's been helping a lot with just how I'm moving about the world, like work related things. And I'm if I apply that to all work related things, I wouldn't be working. Um, but I have to think of how do I find the joy or the good in, in the work that I'm doing and how is it contributing to the big picture? Um, and trying not to get caught up in the, the minutia of things. Mm. So it's been really, really freeing. I felt like I've had more time. I mean, granted, there's only 24 hours in a day, but I've I've had more time to pay attention to what's going on because I'm thinking, does this bring me joy? Like, does eating this cookie at this point in the day, does this bring me joy or is it just a filler and am I going to feel bad about it later? Hmm. And so, yeah, it's been kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. Is that, that's not mentally taxing at all? At, not in the least. Okay. I, literally, I say to myself, if I don't say it out loud, um, I say it to myself in my head, does this bring me joy? And then I make a decision on whether or not, like, I buy it, I eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's been really nice. Okay. So I feel like light. I feel like you can hear me smiling. Does it bring me joy? Jeez. Yeah. But yeah, it's been nice and not taxing at all. It's been like the opposite. I've slept significantly well mm-hmm. because I've been able to push things out of my mind because if they're not bringing me joy, granted, not everything's going to bring you joy and, and crummy stuff or and things are going to happen, but. As I think about the overall of my life, does this really matter? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, no, it doesn't matter. So, yeah. In that sense, it's been good. My work is out, workouts have been on point, and I don't fooled around and went down a pant size. So, oh, okay. I didn't even know. Okay. Like, I I haven't been paying attention <laughs> yeah. to that as much. My run running has been consistent. My workouts have been consistent. And then I went the other day to buy some jeans, and I was like, why are these so big? Maybe it's mm. like. Maybe it's the, the style and there's a new style. And I was like, no, I'm just down like a whole size. And um, and I don't tend to pay attention to those things. But yeah. let me tell you, I was in there blessed and, you know, Dang. giving a shout out. So, yeah. That's great. Congrats on that. Thanks. Just paying attention to other stuff made aside from the stressors. Mm-hmm. So, how you, Boston? Doing all right. Doing all right. Um, last week, um, I took a couple workshops um, at work, I took this project management workshop. Um, it was full day workshop hosted by one of our IT specialists, and she's amazing at what she does. Um, she was responsible for implementing Workday, um, mm. which is our HR software for the institution, um, and also Workday Financials. So I was really excited to want to see her workshop because I've worked with her, and I just love the way she thinks. Um, so HR hosted it, and uh, it was a full day. Um, learned some really cool things. Um, it was taught from an IT perspective, but she tried her best to make it as universal as possible because mm-hmm. project management is just a skill that you can use for any industry. Yeah. Um, it was very interactive. We did a lot of like group work and tried to apply 
current projects to the project management way of thinking, okay. or like the theories and the yeah. um, the tools and all of that. Um, and towards the end of the day, we used a software called Teamwork, which is okay. I've one heard of, of it. many different PMIs, project management, project management. I don't know what the I stands for. Let's go with initiative. Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we've got to play around with that a little bit. So um, I don't know. It's It made me think a little bit about what I want to do in the future. Okay. Um, you know, I supervise people. Not really the thing I want to do forever, but mm-hmm. I love managing projects and having a definitive end goal to a certain task. And then I move on to the next thing. Right now, I don't really have a job that allows me to do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe in small ways, but um, it was just a great way to kind of take a break from the minutiae of the day and just focus on this really key skill that is a hot topic right now, I feel like, in most industries, project management. Or the lack thereof. (laughs) Or the lack thereof. (laughs) And then after that, actually it was the same day that I saw you that I went to the um, project management workshop. We went downtown Mm. um, to uh, Udemy, which is a... Ed tech company and they hosted a workshop, a panel or panelist of folks that work in HR, and the topic was uh, diversity and unconscious bias or unconscious bias. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were four women, um, all from very different backgrounds. Um, two were fulfilling um, roles in their company that were specifically tack- tackling um, diversity in the workplace. And then the other two folks were VPs in HR, mm-hmm. but didn't have any formal experience in terms of uh, diversity and inclusion. Um, so, yeah, you invited me to the workshop. Um, yes, I did. It was, it was all right. There, yeah. were, there were a few gems that were dropped. Yeah, I certainly took away a few pieces from that, like a few websites to like dig into a little bit more. And there was a strategy that one of the presenters kind of talked through, and I was like, Oh, that makes sense in terms of training. And she talked about like the stickiness the, factor. Yeah, there were four. There was like yeah. awareness. Uh, this last one was stickiness. Introspection. Introspection. Was one of them. I'll have to, I'll have to find yeah, it. Yeah, it, it was a really later. great way to boil down. Yeah. Like if your company is meeting. Yeah. Right. Well, and I thought about that in the the just training in general. Like, mm-hmm. are people aware of what we're training on? What the process is? Like, how does it impact their day to day? the third step that neither one of us can remember at the moment. But then, like, is does my training have the stickiness factor to it? Like, right. are people going to walk away remembering this and applying this later? So I thought she was really good. I, her name was Goki, I think. Uh, yeah. G-O-K-I. Don't I know her last so. name, but she worked for Visa. And I was like, she is like, I was supposed to hear what she was saying. Yeah. So that's why I was there. Yeah. So I really appreciated that a lot. And then the woman from Pinterest was also yes. really great. Um, loved her background. Uh loved what she had to offer and I think I got the most from the two women of color Mm -hmm. of course um I mean we both come from backgrounds uh with social justice and diversity training so a lot of it not a lot of it but some of it was a little elementary or just very obvious Mm -hmm. when it comes to how to dismantle unconscious bias in the workplace um but I got what I needed from it um but I'm when you look around the room it was mainly Mostly non uh, people of color. Yeah. It's mostly white people. Yeah, who need to hear it? Yeah, right. Um, they're the ones who are making the largest impact in Silicon Valley and the tech world, and mm-hmm. you know it's still a hot button issue. So, yeah, so it was just really cool. Um, lots of education last week, and hopefully, I can find some more training and workshops to go to in the near future. Yeah, shout out to you to me if you work at you to me and y'all want to sponsor. 
us for a little something. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to put that out there. Didn't be, right. <laughs> I didn't want to be mysterious about that. So you asked for things and you put them out in the universe. So there's that. Um, but yeah, I think I thought that was a cool thing. I like doing those and kind of mixing with other people. Yeah, it's cool to network at these events. Yeah, too. and it's funny because I don't actually talk to people that I don't know there. I mean, sometimes just like the hosts or whatever, the host company will come up and start talking like, "How did you hear about us?" And I'm mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god!" Like I have yeah. e- email. <laughs> <laughs> my introvert. Uh, yeah, I'm like I'm gonna go sit socialize. down now. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but it's nice to be in a space where you know you're learning something and you start to see familiar faces, you know, at these events as they go on and they're free and they're kind of in a different yeah. environment. And I think for both of us, they are, it was free and yeah. had an open bar yes. and free food. Yes. Like, what? Um, <laughs> totally a draw. Um, but yeah, it's nice to be in a space where it's not people that do like our roles every day and to see like, Oh, there's people out in the public sector, mm-hmm. private sector that are, you know, making good strides. And we just don't hear about that because those aren't our everyday right. interactions. So in that sense, it's really nice. And um, it's kind of fun and interesting and hearing what companies do and where people come from and what they have to say and like internal initiatives that you wouldn't hear about or read about on a website. So, yeah. Cool. All right. We'll be right back. All right, so this week for Water Cooler Talk, we are going to delve a little bit into the topic of professionalism. Uh, Ever since, you know, I started thinking about my career, the term professionalism is a word I think that gets abused a lot, Mm -hmm. where we use the term, but we never really define it in terms of maybe our work environment, maybe the societal definition of professionalism. Uh, and I think also, to, too, the term has evolved over the over the course of decades. So I thought it would be interesting if we spent some time talking about professionalism, what it means to us, um, how it impacts us in the workplace as supervisors, but also as employees. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just, I just quickly looked up a, a definition, a seemingly an operational definition in uh, professionalism from mindtools.com. It says, professional, uh, it defines professionalism as the conduct, aims, or qualities that characterize or mark a profession or a professional person. Um, and this defines a profession as a calling requiring specialized knowledge and often long and intensive academic preparation. That's really wordy and doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah. Um, I think I would agree that the term professionalism is like not to jump in real deep feet first right now, but it's to be honest, I've, I've always seen it kind of as a white term. Like mm. that's how like if you talk about society, like the folks who determine, quote unquote, what professionalism is or looks like or what's acceptable or what's not is has been traditionally determined by white folks and what those folks think are, are as professional. Um, and I'm going to, like, I, as I'm saying this, I I have in my mind, I think ways that I've contributed to people, like seeing what professionalism is or like how I define it, which has loosened up significantly over the last, um, I'd say probably over the course of my career from when I first finished grad school, um, and not really knowing what it is and how to like enact it or like play it out for myself. Um, but yeah, because it seems to be really rigid Mm -hmm. in terms of. Like, when people are like, oh, that's not professional. Oh, it's not white enough. Right. You know, it doesn't 
quote unquote fit into our cult culture. I'm like, what culture is that? Um, and what does fit even mean? Right. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think this came up when we did the code switching talk. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I'm not going to stand over here and not say that I think I've just naturally absorbed that way of thinking that professionalism means not black, mm-hmm. not this, not that, mm-hmm. just whitewashed everything. So, you know, you might have that really loud coworker mm-hmm. who they just naturally speak loud on the phone. Mm-hmm. And that will automatically be deemed, especially if they're a person of color, as not professional. Mm-hmm. But the same person can, will do it right next door, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, they're just Italian, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it's it's just not equitable. Well, it makes me think of the scene from Insecure when Molly and um, she was at the workplace with the girl who was like the first year law intern or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. Rashida, am I making that name? Rashida, up? yeah. Um, it makes me think about that, um, and that's such a weird position to be in and think about from, I'll say from Molly's standpoint as a person in the office who, um, as I think about who's on my floor at my work, like I am the only black person on my floor, or not the only black woman on my floor. Mm. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's such a tough thing to kind of grapple with, if that makes sense. So I think about like, the things that I see other like young black women say, do, how they show up in the workplace. And I'm like, ooh, is this, there's that selfish part of me is like, ooh, are you representing us well? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So there's, yeah. there's some internalized stuff in there, yes. I'm sure. It's like, uh, if the black person comes into the meeting late, yeah. just like, really? Did like, you? you know this is about us. And you have a cup of coffee in your hand. Right? Like, like seriously, this is about I'm us. Like, so you could stop and get coffee too <laughs> and be late. And you didn't think that was going to be a reflection of me. So, right. but is that, there's, there's probably some sort of like messed up, way of thinking that (laughs) I'm taking on the other people's stuff and like like, not standing on my own or whatever right right um I I don't even think we get to stand on our own like as people like it's that like if you think in society like if a black person does something it's all black people right but if it's a white person that does something it's and I'm totally generalizing this so understand that it's the um they're a lone wolf or like you know they acted alone (laughs) or whatever the case may be now, I'm, I, there's really no other black person where I work in my division. Um, we don't even have that many black faculty, which is as sad as that may seem for an art school. But um, there's really no other person for folks to make blanket statements about mm. other people's actions for myself or vice versa. Um, but because I am the only black person, I do feel this need to... Go yeah. above and beyond. Yeah. It's like, yeah, so the next black person that you hire is not yeah. going to be, you know, I, I feel this really strange sense of responsibility to yeah. do the most. Because yeah. <laughs> I already assume you think least of me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's funny because as you say that, I think of like spaces that I've been in and like, I don't know, I can't divorce myself of being black and who I am. And then I think about like, the opportunities that I have earned and then been given as a result. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm doing something right. Um, and I, I can't, I have to remind myself, like, it's not all about, like, oh, we need a black person to, like, diversify the picture. Mm. Um, so sometimes I think about that and I'm like, well, I've, I've, I've worked hard and I earned this. And then I, then I get pissed off that I'm justifying this in my mind. 
So I'm like, girl, you are good. At, you're good. Like, you're not just good enough or you don't just pepper the picture because you're, you know, <laughs> the black speckle in there. Right. Um, but sometimes I get, I get upset with myself for thinking that, like, why was I brought on? Like, am I good enough? And then there's that, that whole cycle of, you know, mental conversation. Am I good enough? Am I supposed to be here? You know, what if they, you know, one day realize that I am black and, you know, Yeah. I think professionalism is a is a tough thing to number one, like you said, define and explain, um, and it's a constant thought of who de- who defines professionalism in your workplace, right? Um, and who gets away with you know be having to be professional versus not professional. I think it's very much top down. Okay. Um, I think you know, however, your CEO or president or your senior cabinet represents themselves, that has a trickle-down effect. And, you know, you don't want to be seen in any other light Mm -hmm. if, you know, everyone above you is acting a certain way. Um, I also wanted to say, too, that I think professionalism also sometimes means an absence of personality. Hmm. When I think of office culture and relating with people... Now, now I think we're both the same where we're not here to be people's best friends, no, right, at the no, workplace. No. But I do, I think maybe in the old way of thinking about professionalism, there, there are sometimes work environments where, you know, you just have to be basically like a robot. Mm-hmm. Like, no personality, can't talk about, you know, um, your personal lives or whatnot. You just got to get the work done. And that's professional because you're not getting emotions involved. You're not getting personal stories involved. Let's just get through the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a lot different now where companies and offices are looking for culture yeah. um, because that's how we succeed is if we remember that there's a human component behind um, the people that we're uh, working with. Uh, but yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, even when you say things like culture, it's, if you think from the top down, who who really is the, the person who or the people who... Um, get to define what culture is. Like, if you look True. at whoever your board or your board of trustees or your president, vice president, cabinet area, who are those people? And then they determine, like, not that they're saying out loud, this is my definition of what, what culture looks like at this organization, institution, company, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's just, they're going to hire people who, quote, unquote, fit within their culture. Right. So it's, it's, it's a little bit of, like, hiring more of the same. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I I understand that, but that also bothers me a little bit. That bothers right? me a lot. It's how are you even expected to, uh, you know, talk about these diversity issues if you're hiring everyone who have the same way of thinking? You yeah. Know? Um, you know how um, sometimes when you get a rejection email and it may say, like, if you... No, what is a rejection, a rejection email? email? This is you foreign got... <laughs> to me. I have no if idea. If you apply to a job and it says, sometimes people will say, um, we didn't think the job was the right fit. Mm-hmm. That's a, a very uh, common cop-out yeah. type answer. I was gotten those two and I was like, you don't even know me. You, you don't, me you don't know paper. me, nigga. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, no, I, I... But I think a lot of the times... Um, fit goes a long way, especially for some of these tech companies where they rather have a good rapport with you. That mm-hmm. goes a long way versus someone like the hard skills. You should be measuring the hard skills in an interview, but sometimes um, I get the sense that the soft skills or the the people 
Mm -hmm. Relatability goes a long way in getting hired. So people really feed into the, let's, let's get people who fit our culture. Yeah. Well, how do you get to that part if you haven't met the person yet? Right. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I like you whether or not based on what I, I see on paper. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I think it's, it's tough because I've certainly gotten my fair share of like rejection emails or like, you don't have exactly what we're looking for. But I'm like, you're look, are you looking for a human or are you looking for a robot? Because I am a human. I am not a robot. Like there's some, some hard skill things that I can do and some technical pieces certainly that I bring. Um, and those things are trainable. You know what I mean? But I have the soft skills and it's really difficult to, I've found it difficult to communicate my soft skills, if you will, mm-hmm. on a piece of paper. Because how do you say like, I'm great with people? I mean, you don't want to be as generic to be like, I'm great with people. And right. I, you know, I say hi every morning to people, whatever. Um, but I think that is, that's a challenging piece. Right. Um, if you had to name a few things that are in workplaces that you've been in that are not professional, what would they be? Hmm. Good one. Not professional. Um, I have two off the top of my head. Right. I, I mean, I still think the, um, like being on time or not being on time is mm. something that will never go out of style. Like be on time for meetings, yeah. right? Um, so being late or constantly late, I should say, because things happen is unprofessional. And my second one would be mm, I think in terms of dress, and my work environment is very casual. Mm-hmm. No one needs to no one needs to wear um like ties or skirts or anything like that everyone wears jeans and it's super casual but i think even with a casual dress you can still be unprofessional you can be too casual too casual with (laughs) either profanity or political messages on your shirt like such as this (laughs) okay wow wow um i'm wearing a kanye west for president 2020 shirt i mean you don't want to wear that in the workplace that's just you don't want to i don't want that to happen in reality either um (laughs) (laughs) just to be real but yeah i I think um there is still a line to cross with casual clothing yeah well i also don't want dirty clothing i'm not looking for a bunch of holes in clothes Mm because those aren't statements to me that just that may be your fashion statement but you can live your fashion statement outside of the workplace Mm -hmm. um and i'm thinking like in in education people i think we're generally stiff and that's what it is um but if I, yeah, I totally agree on the clothes thing or clothes that are ill-fitting, either mm-hmm. too big or too small. Right. Um, and I'm not saying you got to get your their clothes tailored or like they have to be the perfect fit. But like look at them when you purchase them to make sure that they, um, they fit you. Right. Um, they may not be your style or whatever the case. I'm not even talking about style, but I'm like, do they fit your body? Right. Um. And really thinking about, do you feel good in those clothes? Because maybe people feel good in clothes that are ill-fitted. Um, or, like, things that are super low-cut. And maybe this is shaming to a degree. Um, <laughs> but I have I have worked at a, a place where, um, like, it would be like a scoop neck shirt on a, a female individual. Mm-hmm. And, like, it might as well be, like, the world's lowest V of a V-neck. Okay. And I'm like, I don't, by no means do I want to shame. Yeah. And first of all, it doesn't look good. 
Mm-mm. And perhaps it feels looks and feels good to that person, but I'm like, outwardly, no one checked you on that? Like, you didn't walk out the house and be like, hey, person, friend, kid, cat, dog, like, how does this look? Because um, I think that's a... Yeah, yeah. and especially mm-hmm. with um, clothes that could be sexually leading, you mm-hmm. you know, with Title IX, and yeah. the workplace is just not a place to have suggestible clothing yeah well so i'm like is it detracting from maybe a student or a colleague's experience mm-hmm. if all of this is here right, in front right. and then that this is probably shame if you feel like this is shaming go ahead <laughs> and email us, us and let us know or tweet at us because <laughs> i don't really know and part of this is like my quote-unquote professional upbringing of like that's just you're here to do work and to get things done mm-hmm. and to contribute to the work as opposed to contribute to distraction. Right. Um, one thing that I would say, um, I have probably a list of 50, but the first one that comes, one of the first ones that comes to my mind is language um, mm-hmm. in the workplace. And I'm not saying be stiff and like robotic and you only speak in, you know, this is King's English way or whatever that means. <laughs> um, but like the amount of cursing that you do um, publicly, I know I, I have worked with, uh, folks who will, and I don't mind, give me a good F-bomb or something like that. And the office typically, you know, lower your voice or behind a closed door. I'm yeah. fine. Like, I'm not that stiff that that can't happen. But I'm like, if my door is open, if people are potentially walking by, um, it's not unusual for the president of my university to be kind of in a, any sort of, you know, reasonable vicinity. I don't necessarily need him to hear how casual our language is um, because there's there can be inferences made on that. And I have to be, you know... With the skin that I'm in, I feel like I have to be mindful of those things because I feel like, you know, my blackness puts me on display regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I've worked with folks who like are just super casual walking in the hallway and like hollering back the F-bomb or saying shit or something. And I'm like, what? I need like we can't do this. No. Perhaps you can do that with someone else. I would encourage you not to do that because you still re- represent me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we... Like, close the door if you feel like you want to ramble off for a little bit. Let me turn on my noise machine and then go have at it for a minute or two. Mm-hmm. But if we're walking down the hallway, I'm probably not going to... I'm not going to share in that with you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. It's amazing how casual some people are with their language. Specifically in terms of cursing. Yeah. Um, or even inappropriate things about people or students. Yeah. And I'm like, if you're going to talk shit, go behind the closed door. Like, right. you know, I always say everybody should have secrets. You should too. Uh, appropriate <laughs> secrets. But like, talk shit behind the closed door. Right. I'm not going to talk about you while I'm walking down the roadway and then you walk up and then I'm like, uh, uh, what had happened was. Because <laughs> you don't know who's around you. No, you don't know who's listening. So yeah, the language piece is huge. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm baffled at how uh, casual people are with their language. I think um, dating in the workplace is <laughs> unprofessional. <laughs> um, now, I mean, with people you directly work with, like me, if you work in a large company and it's like, you know, Steve from accounting, yeah. like I don't <laughs> work in accounting. Who <laughs> is Steve from accounting? <laughs> and maybe that's okay, but I, I do think it's unprofessional to have any kind of relations with people who are directly on your team, especially if you supervise them. I think that, um, well, like, like, uh, my partner and I, we, we weren't on the same team, so that doesn't even count. Um, I think if those things do happen, because there's a level of stuff that you, I don't think that you can fully control. I think that being communicative with a supervisor, what, like, if that is blossoming or blossoming, Mm -hmm. if that's going to be a thing or you feel like it's going somewhere, being communicative, um, 
because there's the potential for things to go. Obviously, people are human, and so the stuff can go sideways pretty easily. Um, so I think being communicative with a supervisor about this is happening, like, do we switch up reporting lines? Like, mm -hmm. do you need to know because, you know, this could turn into something else and I'd rather be upfront with it or not. So I think a lot of companies actually have communication, like, they have a pathway. Now. Yeah. yeah. Or no, they have or, a pathway that you can have a relationship with someone that, you know, even if they're on your team, but then perhaps their reporting structure looks different based on the nature of that relationship. Right. I mean, not policy. Yeah. I meant to say procedures. Yeah. Like, they, they... You're like policies, no, there'll be no love here. <laughs> not my company. Yeah, there'll be no love here at Swiffer. So uh, <laughs> Swiffer. <laughs> I'm looking at the mom. But um, there'll be, we'll have none of that. So yeah. And I've seen those conversations happen and very much so. You can't control how you feel. I think there's a professionalism about how you present it. Mm -hmm. You know, don't be like giving me PDA all day long. Like, Right? <laughs> like, keep that at home. You're doing, like, the, the quick flash eyes, like, hey, in a meeting. Yeah. Um, the other thing, another thing I was going to say is, I think another sign of being unprofessional is um, seeing deadlines and or expectations as a suggestion. That's my huge one. <laughs> you say one. that with so much intent. Like, <laughs> you definitely have experience with that. Yes, yeah, so much. Because <laughs> um, I'm, I'm one for a deadline. So give me a deadline. 98% of the time, I'm going to meet it. If I, that 2% that I'm not, I'm, I'm communicating with you up front. This is why I'm not going to meet that deadline. This is my plan to eventually meet that deadline. Let's circle back around when that deadline is coming up. So then you're not coming to me looking for, mm -hmm. hey, girl, like you were supposed to turn this in last week and I haven't said anything about it. Um, but yeah, it, I, I'm amazed at how many people let deadlines come and go and they don't say anything. Like, but then would be quick to try to assign you a deadline. Right. And I'm like, but you don't even meet your own that Bitch, you assigned. Please. So even when you yeah. ask for one to be assigned to you. And there's nothing more annoying than missing a deadline than you, if you're on the next step of that train, mm -hmm. like now I have to fall behind with my work because I have to report to the next person. Yeah. Right? Um, sometimes people don't see the, they don't see the, the big picture. Yeah, right? like the chain of like, it goes from me to you to the next person to the next right. person to the next person. It doesn't just stop at you. And if you don't do it, it just doesn't get done. It still has to get done. Right. So I'd rather not work around you because you probably have a piece of it because you were assigned in that, you know, that chain originally. So, um, yeah, deadlines that come and go without so much as a peep. I think that is unprofessional. Huh. What else do you have? Yeah, um... I'm still thinking. Do you okay. have another one? Of course. I always have okay. like 15 going. Um, I think that when it's unprofessional to uh, hold people accountable for the things that you don't do yourself, if that mm. makes sense, in terms of expectations. So yeah. if I am, and I'm not saying I'm flawless at this, so there's certainly times where I have to like, you know, stop and check myself. But if I'm expecting my staff member to like regularly respond to email or um, again, the deadline thing is huge. <coughs> Excuse me. I, I need to be willing to do those same things right. um, to contribute to the environment and to show like if I'm saying I need you to do those things and I, I should be able to and willing to execute on that same pathway. Yeah. I had a supervisor whose motto always was, I will never ask you to do something that I won't, that I won't do myself. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's all about integrity. Just walk the walk, walk the, the walk, walk and talk, talk the, the talk. talk. Yeah. yeah. So 
Um, let's see other things. Uh... Uh, what about you know we we had a whole episode about showing emotion. Yeah. The, I think there's a professionalism yeah. and not yeah. so professional way to do it, but I think depending on who you are, you may be judged unfairly yeah. for what's considered professional. Yeah. Well, and I tend to think that the emotions are good to show in the workplace within reason. Yeah. Um, I'm not looking for a whole lot of anger <laughs> as an emotion. Um, rage, I'm good on, you know, you leaving that out. But I think a healthy amount of emotion is good for the workplace because it shows that we're people. Yeah. Um, now, if you are, like, if every meeting that we have is is tearful and emotional, that I'm I'm gonna check in with you on a different front. Because <laughs> I'm like I don't um, carry someone else's emotional baggage is a lot to expect in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's other things going, then I need to like direct you to some resources, or you can get support and assistance, you know, from your company, your insurance, whatever the case may be. Um, but I think. I like emotion in the workplace. It shows to me that oftentimes that there's a level of investment yeah, that's um, true. that you're seeing, you're feeling it like personally, but I think you have to pay attention that it doesn't get out of hand. Yeah. I think there's an immature way to handle one's emotions in the workplace. Like I've seen people burst out of conference rooms and unnecessarily raise their voice mm. in, a, in a meeting. Um, and you just got to check yourself, right? Mm. It's, it's okay to be invested and have feelings, but just, we're not, I'm not saying to negate them, just mm-hmm. control them. Yeah. And be mindful of them. If you are a person who like is ruled by emotion, like that's something to be mindful of. Like if you feel yourself starting to get warm or start sweating or like the tears welling up, sometimes it's okay to like, you know, maybe pat your eye, let a tear fall. Like, but <laughs> try not to feel rushed and like moving through your emotion. Or if you right. take, need to take a minute, like you don't need to disrupt the whole meeting by slamming your chair back and right. running out the door. You know, you know, be reasonable. You're still at work. Like you still right. have to come back and see these people. Right. Um, yeah, that's a good one. The kind of how emotions show up at work um, in terms of professionalism. But yeah, I'm here for that because that that tends to endear me to people to mm. a degree. To a degree. Yes. Again, if it's every week that they're you're crying about something, then I'll be like, there's something more than this job that's probably got a hold of you and it needs you to talk to someone to work through those things mm-hmm. and figure out how to best support yourself. Uh, I have uh, a last one if yeah. um, you don't have any more. So I got one more. What's your opinion on, because this was very strange to me coming to San Francisco and seeing this a thing, and especially since we come from education, but the office like happy hour <laughs> kind of oh. thing and just, uh, you know, alcohol at work. So an example, um, I interviewed at this one tech company where um, it was a Friday. My interview was at four. As soon as I left the office around like four forty-five, when my interview was done, they already had the cart out of oh. like alcohol in the middle of the office floor, balloons, streamers, and they're like ready for happy hour. And I just left. You know, yeah. it was the end of the week, and. And you were a candidate, right? I was a candidate. Okay, so yeah. you stayed for the drink. Yeah, no, I didn't stay for it. But it, it's just, I know it's much more socially acceptable at a lot of these tech companies where they redefine um, office culture in a non-traditional way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, what's your opinion on just the office happy hour setting? Um, no, actually drinking at work, I, I, I don't know that I've done that before. Aside yeah. from like the, the president's like uh, holiday party. Yeah. That's and it was like, 
bad wine. Um, <laughs> but I was like, oh, it's free, so I might as well have a glass. Uh, but in terms of actually drinking at work, the physical workplace, no. Um, I sometimes, I have gone out with like a certain set of colleagues, not all, for like a drink or a happy hour, like after work or something like that. I certainly have done that, but not... I can't do that with everybody, nor would I do that with everyone. Right. And I'm also very comfortable saying, like, no, thank you. I'm good. I'm just going to go home. Yeah. Because I don't want to go. Um, and I don't need to explain, like, why I don't want to hang out with you after work or why I don't want to hang out with this, that, and the other person. I was going to say, mm-hmm. no, thank you. I appreciate it. Like, have a great time. Y'all be safe. Right. Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that so long as you there are people that you have the ability to opt in. Um and usually if I'm going I'm for like one, maybe two drinks, and then I'm deucing. Yeah. Like I'm not shutting down the bar with people. Um, <laughs> Last call. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm like, we're not going to go dancing after this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I, I haven't been fine with that. And I, I try to think about like when I was in grad school, like it was a huge culture shift for me to do that with like the leadership of, and it was like, it was great. Like I got to know those folks really well. It was a small town, so you could basically walk everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like people were driving, you know, well intoxicated by any means. Yeah. Or like there would be like a DD for um, folks who were drinking. And again, you, they would drive you like the one mile home because that's about as far as it was. Um, but I thought it was really weird the first time. So I was like, I'm, am I supposed to be drinking with like the director? Like, <laughs> is he supposed to be riding us around? Right. Um, it felt weird. But then when I left... I realized how well I knew those folks and how um, much fun I'd actually had. And not because of the drinking part, but I got to know them. And then there would be reason to like hang out with them while not drinking. Or it felt more comfortable like at conferences or yeah, like yeah. to have lunch with them or to be in class with some of my classmates and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it was it was really weird for me when I first got to grad school. Um, and then I didn't do it really very much anymore after I finished grad school, just because that wasn't the culture at the other places that I worked. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> my opinion about it is much more accepting now, but I think when it comes to uh, going out with coworkers, I think you just go with what the company culture is, you mm-hmm. know, in the context of the organization, if that's falls in line with professionalism because you're bonding with your coworkers, then it's fine. But I think there's still other places where that would just not be mm-hmm. part of the... Uh, weekly ritual yeah right and i've noticed as i moved up it's less it happens far less mm. so yeah like i'm not sense. going thrown back with the vice president or the president <laughs> like that's just because i'm, I'm right. fewer degrees away from them i'm like hey such and such you want to go and i'm like i don't i assume the president doesn't know my name so um i know that he does because he sees paperwork that my name is on <laughs> right um, based on my work but i just i i felt like the more that i've moved up the farther away i'm from uh, from doing that. Right. Cool. All right. Any take home points? Um, I think there is, um, being aware of yourself and what you feel comfortable in terms of defining your own professionalism and getting to a place where you know it's going, what it means for you. Um, so there's a lot of, I think some introspective work to kind of look at how do I feel comfortable moving in this workspace and am I reaching my goals related to my job? Do I have like uh, solid relation, work relationships and being comfortable with that, knowing that you are an individual um, and it's okay to be an individual. And like when in doubt, check in with something, someone. Um, I know I do that regularly of like, 
I said this. Does that sound weird? Does it sound weird to you if I say this to you or if I said this during the meeting? Do I need to go and like have a follow up conversation? Um, so I am not too big for my britches to ask somebody like, was that okay? Or does that sound weird? Mm. Or like I'll do the like, does this look okay? Does this like number one, does it go together like as a cohesive outfit that I got dressed in the daylight? Um, so I think when in doubt, like check in with a buddy, um, be that a partner, a friend, whatever the case may be, if you're not really sure if something is going to go over well. Right. Um, great. That's great. Um, I would second that. I would also say just expand your definition and your mindset about professionalism. Um, in addition to what it means to you, um, I also think that remember, if you're a person of color, remember, if someone gives you feedback that yeah. that's not professional, remember, try to think, is that really constructive feedback or is that just an interpretation of be more white? Mm-hmm. Um, don't lose who you are in the process of being professionalism. Um, maintain your personality. Bring what you need to the organization. Do good work. Um, and yeah. Yeah. With that, I would say... With the, the feedback, because I think we all have thoughts on advice, feedback, um, try to pull the person who gives it to you away and then see if that feedback is still valid. Mm-hmm. And then I think that'll, that may be telling because, yeah. you know, there's the, the emotions of wrapped up and like, who told me this? They ain't shit either. So. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you can like remove the person and listen to the actual words. You might learn something. You might not, but you might. All right. We'll take a break and be right back. So we're going to pop right into uh, Ask a Boss. Asking a Boss? Ask a Boss. Ask a Boss. Asking a Boss. You know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so if you have questions, email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. That's H-E-A-D-B-O-S-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And we will get to your question. All right. So this week's question comes from Emily, made up name. Um, but it's a pretty simple question of how do you prioritize? Bitch, I just do. No, No, um, believe it or not, sometimes people answer the the question of how do you keep yourself organized by saying I prioritize, but that is an inappropriate answer because it's not an answer. It's not an answer. (laughs) Prioritization is there's, there's a slew of ways to do it. Um, so I take a very scientific mathematical approach to prioritization. What a surprise. I wouldn't have guessed. (laughs) Um, I call them my limiting factors. And so sometimes in your, uh, your limiting factor might be your deadline. So how much Mm -hmm. time you have. Uh, Sometimes your limiting factor may be how many people are involved. So what's the scope or the scale of the project? If it means I need to touch base with five different people from five different offices and I have to wait for one person to finish their part before I can do mine or I need to wait till I get all the information, um, that helps me prioritize based off of the, the time and the intensity. Uh, I also, some other limiting factors would be... Um, Resources and knowledge. Maybe I have to do some research and kind of just really get into the task, uh, uh, research what's behind the task before I get into it. Um, and competing priorities. So if there's other things in the way. Um, so I kind of use, I write this down. Um, sometimes I use paper. Sometimes I use um, some other kind of 
personal project management tools to rank my um, priorities with my projects. And I will uh, hit my priorities by day. I have my priorities by week. And then I have my long-term priorities, which usually go out like maybe a quarter out into the year. All right. Well, mine is far less scientific. (laughs) Um, On any given day or week, I low-key... This is like the the low-key, slightly bootleg version. Like, I have a post-it packet that sits on my desk. And if there are things that I need to get done, usually it's usually by the week, um, I will write those things on the post-it. It's not, I'm not long, I don't have a, I do have a dry erase board, but there's a bunch of other, like, that's where my long term, like, for the semester, like, these are the things I need to accomplish over the course of the semester based on my goals and priorities that I communicated up to uh, my vice president, so um, I make sure that I hit something in there every week, if not, I can usually hit a few things in there every week, so that at the end of the semester I'm not, um, uh, I'm still meeting my expectations in terms of that, but I low-key use the post-it note. Um... I also think about what are the things that are going to keep my boss off my back. Not that she's generally on my back, but like my boss and vice president. So like if an email comes in from either one of them, they're jumping to the top. That's just how that's going to go. I can pretend like I'm going to answer them in order. Those are lies. I'm going to jump to what comes from my boss and comes from the vice president and, and see if those can, if they're easy questions, I'll get to them right away. If they need a little bit more thought, I may chime in and say, thanks, I got the email give me some time to kind of pull my thoughts or resources together and I should be able to get back with you by X, Y, and Z date um, and or time. But I don't have a a real strong way of doing that. Like I try to keep, um, my thing has been keep my boss's boss off my boss's ass. So Mm -hmm. whatever I need to do to get those things done, then I do them. Um, I use the calendar because a lot of my work is driven by um, specific policies that have deadlines in them. So I can't, I don't have the ability to be like, I'm going to push this out. I'm like, no, within 10 working days, I have to do this within 20 working days. I have to do this. So it's easy because a lot of my work is driven by prescribed deadlines that I I can't change because they're for lots of people. They're all, they're for the 23 campuses in which, you know, my system serves. So I can't be like, I'm going to go rogue and not do these deadlines anymore. Um, so there's a luxury in that, but then I have to, you know, self-drive on a, a number of other projects and it just, Sometimes it depends on what comes in my door and what gets my attention. Um, But I also don't inundate, like, my calendar with a lot of meetings. Um, Some of that's by choice. Um, Some you can't avoid. But I will be quick to be like, "Mm, I'm going to need to not meet with all these people this week. They can be pushed off to the the second week or the third week um, because they're they're not – they may be priorities for other people, um, in which my office may have a say in, but that doesn't mean they're going to jump to my priority list because someone needs them right now. Yeah, so. I need to do a better job at that. Like, I have, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I have a meeting heavy position, um, and sometimes if it, I'm not the owner of the meeting, and meetings just get thrown onto my calendar. But I, I need to be more conscious of, um, of that because it sucks up my desk time. My mm-hmm. desk time is so crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I because I am an office of one and I have an admin everybody feels like I should be at every table all the time. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, I'm just, I can't do that. And then, you know, meet the like basic tenets of my role effectively. So I will be quick to say, you know, I'm slammed for week and weeks, you know, this week's in terms of meeting, 
I need to push this back if that's possible. And for the most part, people have been understanding and flexible, or maybe I'll send my admin in my place to take notes and bring those things back to me, but usually they want me at the table, and I'm like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I just need to make sure that I have enough capacity to complete you know, the really crucial things of my role um, because I often get things that walk into my desk that are emergencies um, or they actually like are a human priority right now with, you know, tears issues, issues in classrooms and stuff like that. But yeah. I can't be like, well, if you come back next week after you're better and they, they seem to be fairly imminent. Um, but yeah, I try to really manage the amount of time that I am not in my office. And I'm also a person who will take my laptop to meetings because People like to get in and shuck and jive at the beginning of the meeting. And I'm like, this seven minutes, I can respond to like maybe four or five emails. So while y'all are all kiki and whatever, I'll say, hey, and hey. And then I'm like spending the time in there before we start, if there's a break at the end while we're wrapping up, getting stuff done. People don't like that I do that, I'm sure. um, Because they're like, you should be mingling. I'm like, what I should be doing is meeting the responsibilities of my role and, you know, keeping our work moving forward. Mm-hmm. So I try not to be disrespectful and like do those yeah. things during meetings and whatnot. But I'm like, please believe I'm going to get to the meeting a few minutes earlier. And if you guys shuck and jive and say hi, which is an important piece, I say hi. I'm not ignoring people. But I'm like, if I can get these like three emails done that aren't going to take a ton of brain power for me to just, you know, thoughtfully respond to something, I'll do that at the beginning of a meeting before we actually get started. Sure. So, but I think it's important to find what works for you. Yeah. And, um, it's uh, an unreasonable, in my opinion, an unreasonable expectation for you to think somebody else is going to define what your priorities should look like. Yeah, no, don't <laughs> ask me that question. Yeah. Don't ask. I give you, this is what you're supposed to do, and you just do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care you get there. You've got to figure out yeah. how and when to get uh, it done. Use your resources. Yes, exactly. So, I can dictate for you, but you'd be mad about that, so... <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Emily. And remember to email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back. All right. So we're here for Bitch Ass Boss and Boss Ass Bitch of the Week. So mine is pretty short. Um, I just want to use this airtime to bring light to a very disturbing um, national um, crisis where um, and last week um, there were reportedly um, 14 and counting um, young black women uh, or girls be, uh, disappearing in D.C., Washington, D.C., um, it's slowly been getting traction because of social media, hashtags, celebrities are speaking out about it, but the government is doing nothing to find these girls. Um, sorry, I have to kind of go back to the article to kind of find out more information. I mean, people don't know what's going on, but it sounds like human trafficking, possibly. Mm. Um, and there are hotlines or numbers you can call, but... I just, you know, this is not really a boss-ass bitch or a bitch-ass boss, but it's, we should be using our power to mm-hmm. really help this situation because this is really, really sad and no one is talking about it. Yeah. Well, and I was reading something along the same lines of, like, people saying, like, there was some sort of, like, refute, like, oh, it's not human trafficking. And I was like, well, can you, can we not do that? Like, first of all, do you know that it's not human trafficking? Right. Because it doesn't seem like we, you know, know anything. 
So to say it's not human trafficking and these girls left on their own. And I'm like, really? This seems like the world's girls biggest coincidence from the in same In 24 city. hours that don't even know each other? Yeah, so. Come on now. And so, yeah. I'm, well, I'm really calling bitch-ass boss to those people. And the people <laughs> who are not making, who are making too light of the situation. And, yeah. not, and the government for not using all their resources to help us out and help yeah. these girls out. It's just really sad and it's disturbing and. I just hope that this doesn't lose traction. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of controversy I've, I've seen um, around uh, women who are not standing up. So, you know, people were really shaming folks who weren't at the Women's March or whatever. And I'm not even going to get into that whole conversation because that's a thing in itself. Um, but then all the people who are silent about all of these young girls who are all girls of color from what I can recall seeing. And it's, it's getting like not really any public attention um, on any sort of large national scale. But yet you want me to cape for, you know, the women's movement and all these other things. But right. I'm like, these are our future young women, you know? So what, are we just not going to do that because I didn't want to wear a pussy hat somewhere? Yeah. But yeah, it seems there's a lot going on with that. So it's really, it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah it is. So I'm just trying to keep updated and read and read and read and figure out what I can do all the way from the West Coast. But, you know, we have this podcast and I hope this yeah. reaches far and wide. Um, so please stay tuned to that issue. Yeah. All right. So I have, uh, which is odd because I have several. Um, I'll start <laughs> off with my uh, bitch asses. That's what, these are the bad bitch ones. Bitch asses. Um, so the first one um, goes to 45. Um, although I can appreciate what uh, some Democrats are trying to do. Um, uh, so the Democrats have introduced something called the Mar-a-Lago Act. So Mar-a-Lago, I think, is the name of um, 45, one of his properties where he goes golfing because he's done that uh, nine weeks of the 12 weeks where yeah. he's been uh, semi-occupying the White House. Um, but they are introducing this thing called the Mar-a-Lago Act, and it stands for Making ac- Access records available to lead American government openness act. Basically since 45 got in, they have um, seemingly shut down and not published any of the visitor logs to the white house or any of the places that 45 has been um, having these meetings. So those, those uh, under Obama administration, those were like people could publicly access those. But since 45 came over, all those visitors' logs and things about where he's meeting and who he's meeting with and where he conducts business have been not available to anybody, which okay. is shady all in itself. Yeah. Um, to go from such a stark difference of like, hey, this is where I'm going, and you know, within you know, reason, um, and these are the people that I'm meeting with, and these are the visitor logs, look at them if you want to. But this kind of like shady hiding stuff is um, alarming and to a degree unnecessary like it seems like very childish to be like i'm not gonna tell you where i'm going or who i'm talking to and i'm like really you were you were a bunch of people put you in as this person of power and you don't know how to deal with it or what to do with it and then so that's a whole thing in itself and i'm like we have to put forward an act so that we you're supposed to be of the people right but you're trying to be out here keeping secrets of who you're meeting with and who's coming to the White House. What do you have to hide? What's so secretive about these visitor logs? Mm-hmm. Um, and we know you've been meeting with X, Y, and Z person uh, in the Trump Tower. So what do you? Some of that's not a secret, but you think like you're playing these games, and it's 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 annoying as all get out. Yeah. Um, and really aggravating. Um, another thing with 45, he had met with um. 
what is it, uh, the uh, Chancellor of Germany, Angela Merkel. Um, and then this this bitch didn't even want to, like, shake her hand. Oh, I saw that video. <laughs> and then she was like, you want to shake hands? And he just sat there just, like an infant. And I was like, um... Hunched over. Do you need, t- do you need Cheez-Its right now yeah. to do this? Do, what do you need? Like, like be be a grown-up. Um, and then I was reading somewhere that his, um, his main white supremacist, Steve Bannon, um, gave him an invoice or a bill or something to give to the Chancellor of Germany... Um, of three million, three hundred million dollars, I think, to pay back for the services that were provided by NATO. Like it's just like you just get a bill. <laughs> I want to see what that looks like. What was an like, invoice? I was like, who? This don't even make no sense. Like y'all didn't read any of the notes that any previous administration has left behind about how to um, greet people that you invite to the White House. I'm pretty sure she didn't invite herself. What? But it was so. I was like, "Who does that?" That, that wasn't even so a, a bitch ass. But I just remember reading that over the last few days, and I was like, "This is this is the most unprofessional shit <laughs> that I have seen." Right. If we're gonna go ahead and capitalize yeah. on the topic, like so unprofessional. Oh my gosh! So and really embarrassing. That's like, really embarrassing. you don't represent me, sir. But like, this is ridiculous. <sighs> Um, another piece of news, another bitch ass is, and I can't even, I don't remember the guy's name, um, but there's a, a white guy who ended up murdering a black man in New York City, um, who was, I think he was, um, a man who was digging through, the black man was digging through trash, trying to, like, find food or whatever the case may be, and this white guy ends up st- essentially stabbing him to death, and, uh, I don't remember if he got caught or if he turned himself in, but was basically like, this was practice because I was gonna do this, and try to basically get rid of black people, specifically black men, in Times Square on a larger scale. So this was the first one that was for practice. Yeah, I'll, we'll get the link in the bio so that you can read okay. about this. But seemingly was not secretive about it. So it said he's a white supremacist and trying to do, like, you know, rid at least the New York City Times Square area of black men. So, and this was the first one because this was him trying it out. What? Yeah, and I was like... How dare you be so emboldened as to do this and then say it? I don't know if I should be shocked and appalled or confused or grateful that you got caught. It's it's a mix of emotions, you know. Like, I, <laughs> if y'all can see and, Paul's and, face and right now, like Tommy Lauren want to say that the Black Lives Matter is the same as the the KKK. Yeah, this girl just she just got um, ban- permanently banned from wherever she was working for, where she had this weekly yeah, show. I saw that for being pro. She said she was pro-choice. pro-choice. Yeah. yeah. Such so, a but yeah, we'll put the link in the bio. But I was like, uh, "What? Who? D- Can, Did are this we guy not get arrested be- and put in jail?" Or well, he's arrested. This was fairly recent, like oh, within the okay. last few days. But he has been apprehended. Okay. So Damn. weird, right? That's weird. Scary. Very scary. Um, y'all watch your backs out there. Um, and then the last one is um, a head boss. So this is the good one. Yay. Um. So this came out on um. Al Jazeera News, and it was uh, reposted by, I think it's like a black girls therapy group on Facebook. If you find, I'll put the link in there, so if you find it, it's, it's got some good stuff. Um, but basically, um, in Zimbabwe, there are um, communities that don't have mental health resources um, to kind of spread and help people who are experiencing different mental health concerns and illnesses. So there was, um, there, there was a group that was put together, and basically they have these... Um, I think they're called like friendship benches, right? Okay. So they're benches around these different communities 
And uh, essentially, there have been uh, Zimbabwean women, uh, for the most part, older women, grandmas, who have been trained, very minimal training about like how to provide appropriate advice. And they are doing this at no cost, and they're serving the people of Zimbabwe in different communities. I don't think it's across the whole um, uh, country, but it's just... I love that the the ingenuity of like doing something seemingly simple of providing people because sometimes you just need one small intervention or someone to like just generally talk to so that you don't like go down a path of like hurting yourself, hurting other people. But I just loved like that this is a thing and it's getting some sort of traction. And they showed like a video clip and we'll put it in the notes of like just these women who are they're sitting on benches. And then people just come up and talk to them, and then they're providing advice. So think mm. about going to your mom or your grandma yeah. or some some important person in your life and just being able to sit down and talk about, maybe they're not going to help you solve your problems specifically, but maybe they give you some some quick interventions, some tips, techniques, and you know, 20, 30 minutes of time, and then you go on your way, but you've got that resource there. So I, I love, love how people are making it work and making mental health a priority and realizing that if you don't have that, you know, things could go wrong. Yeah. And so even the small steps are super helpful in people kind of getting back on their feet and like rebounding from whatever loss or difficult time. And I, I loved seeing that. I love seeing it of black folks who, you know, we can make a dollar out of 15 cent mm-hmm. and to be in a community where we wouldn't expect this to happen. Um, I was just, it was, it was really nice to see that people are wanting to help and that people are utilizing the resource. So shout that. out to them. Yeah. It's a little Yay. good news. Someone's doing something right. Right? All right. So that ends our show. Um, we'll leave you with the usual footnotes. Uh, make sure to connect us, uh, connect with us to all our social media on Facebook, Twitter. Um, we're also on iTunes and SoundCloud. So please rate us, review us, um, ask us questions, ask us, you know, give us feedback, do whatever. And remember, you can always email us too at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. Alright, see y'all later. Alright, peace out.